0: Music Industry Podcast, and I'm David Andrew Weeb. Let's dig in. Today I'm chatting with the founder of Unconventional Life, Jules Schroeder. How are you today, Jules?
1: I'm doing wonderful. Good to be here. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, doing great. Thank you for asking. So you're an entrepreneur, musician, speaker, and podcaster. I'm sure there are other things you do and other titles you have, but just so we can create a bit of a context for my listeners, how would you describe what you do?
1: Yeah. Um, well, at times, uh, people have come to my website <laughs> and said, it's a little ADD. It's kind of sporadic. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? Because <laughs> you'll see stuff like on my Instagram, you'll see travel photos. You'll see me leading workshops. You'll see me in the recording studio on performances. You'll see me snowboarding. I was a sponsored mm-hmm. snowboarder for a while. And I think at the essence of it, I'm uh, very multi-passionate. And uh, for so long, I used to think that was a problem. That, you know, like I like doing all these different things and that I didn't have much focus. And what I actually realized is that as I've learned to own all of the different areas of self expression, literally created my company, Unconventional Life, almost as a, a home to embody the non traditional, it's allowed me to uh, not only create more impact in the world, but also just have a lot of more fun in the process. And so, you know, for me, I'm someone that. Really believes that this conventional frame we've been inherited, you know, that I inherited, which was, you know, go to school, get good grades, get into a good college, get a good job, and then get a better job, and then eventually die, um, is outdated. And there's a million and one ways to make money in this world and to create a life that you love in this world. And I love storytelling and I love giving people permission, using my own self as an example, so that more of us can do what we want um, with our lives and ultimately take these gifts that we have inside of us and really create structures and, uh, ways to, to play, um, so that we have more fulfillment and more fun. So,
0: mm-hmm. and by way of a couple of comments, you know, I think that movement is beginning to grow the whole thing about multipotentialites. I think Emily Wapnick at, uh, puttylike.com. That was one of the first times I'd heard it's okay to be you know involved in a variety of different things and and pursue what it is that you want to do and enjoy every aspect of that which is really cool and then the other thing that you touched on was that traditional model of success that so many people still subscribe to. It's actually incredible to me. But my first exposure to something outside of that was network marketing. And I've talked to others who share that experience. And some people have had, you know, huge success in network marketing. I never did. (laughs) I would love to say that I exceeded in every area of life. And that hasn't necessarily been the case. I, I felt like I felt more so that everything that I was involved in pushed me to what I'm doing today pushed me closer and closer and closer towards the Music Entrepreneur HQ and, and being engaged in that side of things. So everybody's story is, is unique in that regard, but yeah. it's, it's cool to hear that. I think a lot of people do need to hear that and just to wake up to that reality.
1: Absolutely. And especially like as creatives, you know, I find that part of being the artist is one that allows emotions or forms of expression or gifts to, to flow through them. And often I've felt misunderstood in my life many times. Uh, just because mm-hmm. of how I interacted with the world and how I create in the world. It's just different um, in being that artist side. And even how do I make money and how do I deal with the practicality of life and how yeah, do I, I deal with those conversations? I find um, there could be a lot of misunderstoodness. And I think that's part of the beauty of your podcast and conversations like this, that we're not alone, <laughs> even if you felt like yeah. the lone wolf or the odd one out. Definitely another narrative that I really r- related to in my life that you know, it's people like us coming together and saying, "Yeah, we're different. We we process things differently, but in so many ways, we're kind of like it's our our superpower. It's our advantage that we get to feel and create um, in these capacities. At least that's been true for me. So.
0: It's so true. And in some ways, it's actually really hard to avoid. Like I've put together videos before for Patreon, another thing that I never did very well at. I might try it again. But uh, uh, they would just say like, oh, you're kind of sabotaging yourself in this video. Like, why are you putting yourself down? And I said, I don't understand what you're there's no part of my language that I use where I'm putting myself down. But you're right. It's like it you really do have to think about how you're coming across to, to others. But as you begin to find what it is that you're doing, I think it becomes easier that, Passion just begins to show through.
1: Absolutely. And I find too, in my, like, I have a slogan that's like, word creates our world. It is through what we say and how we share that our world and our opportunities and things get created. And, uh, you know, I find so often it's like, I'm not having the success that I want to have used to be a conversation that I'd have, or I'm not getting the results that I want to have. And I find most of the time, if you're hearing this and that is something, you know, a narrative for you too, is that most of the time people just don't know who they can count on you for what you're actually doing and how to support you. And I find that in your sharing, in your willingness to expose yourself and be vulnerable and put yourself out there and actually tell people what you're up to in the world, it gives that invitation and opportunity for people to actually show up. And so often, you know, I talk to friends and and like I want to make more money, or I don't have enough money, and I'm like, well, how many ways or invitations do you have for people to pay you? <laughs> and they're just like, you yeah. know, oh, well, okay, <laughs> I could actually have you know um, explicit ways for people to contribute. So definitely another area that I like as well.
0: Totally, and I've shared about that on the podcast before, just saying like there probably are people willing to spend two, three hundred dollars with you at a time just for some kind of packaged up deal of all of your catalog, or maybe even a thousand dollars if you offered like a package of performances for them you know it's it's pretty incredible when you begin to think about it it's just you have to put that offer out there or else nobody yep. can buy
1: <laughs> yeah hence the music <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> so. Exactly.
0: That's what exists. So many great rabbit trails we could go down, but uh, I wanted to touch on this for sure. Your bio mentions a near-death experience that caused you to identify what you were meant to do. So talk about that experience.
1: Yeah, so that happened three years ago. Straight up, like, had a near-death experience and launched this next phase of my life. (laughs) That was, uh, Mm. that happened. (laughs) It was uh, about three years ago. It was a wakeboarding accident and uh, I was out in Colorado and full-on, I um, just remember coming out of the MRI in the hospital and was approached by this white figure and six black shadow council member. And we had this conversation and it was, Jules, you have more work to do in the world. Do you want to do it? And at the time they thought I might've been paralyzed. They thought my neck might've been broken. And I just remember saying, yes, as long as I don't come back as a vegetable. And literally in that next moment, got zapped back into my body, felt this energy, forge my neck back together and chewed down my spine. And the moment that I woke up, I feel like everything altered. And uh, it was very much before. It was like life before. felt like it was being created by me. And life since feels like it's been coming through me. And uh, you know what I mean by that specifically is that it's like Mm -hmm. allowing myself to be an instrument for life and allowing things to come through rather than being this person who I was for so many years before. I had success at a young age. Ran my first six-figure company at 18, seven-figure company at 22 had a business partner embezzle a bunch of money at 24, went into a $200,000 worth of debt. Like I was very much on a mission of one success peak to another success peak before. And I could never actually appreciate the success I had. And I always felt like I had something to prove. Like No matter what I did, it never felt like it was enough. No matter what I was creating, I never felt satisfied or fulfilled. It was like, if I could just make this amount of money and then I'd make it and then it would be like, oh, well, that still doesn't feel like enough. And it was like a false summit. After a false summit and, you know, honestly, having a business partner embezzle a bunch of money at the age of 24 and lose all the societal things that we're taught to value of what's important. In terms of success in terms of money and career and status and those things i got to this beautiful rock bottom place and it was like well who am i without all of these things and um you know that near-death experience was just a year after that and i felt like it literally was the the nail in the coffin almost that catalyzed me into this next phase and you know i just remember it was about three weeks after the accident and i get a call from the un and it's like hey like we would love to invite you to be a global ambassador for education like at the un can You'd be here in three weeks? And I was like, still in a neck brace. I'm like, this isn't really the best time, but <laughs> okay. And so I said yes to going to the UN and I was on my way there. And then Forbes was like, Hey, you know, we heard what you're doing. We'd love to invite you to Forbes 30 under 30. Flash forward shortly after that. Um, they're like, do you want to start writing for us? And I had no journalism experience, no blogging experience. And I was just like, you know what, I want hmm. to tell stories. So I was like, I have an idea for a podcast. And they're like, Let's partner and make this a podcast, you know, at Forbes 30 Under 30 and call it Unconventional Life. And, you know, I just remember being outside the hot springs in Iceland, like launching my first ever blog post and podcast to the world, like, holy shit, I'm either totally crazy or I'm really onto something. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Like, how did I get here? And um, it ended up being really successful. Um, And, you know, since that moment, like, we've reached millions of people in over 75 different countries through the Unconventional Life podcast and through, you know, the Forbes column and then has shifted into these live events that we do where we bring together creatives and entrepreneurs and artists, um, you know, for these masterminding events all over the world, like we've got one coming up in Bali. And so more than anything, when I look back to that wakeboarding accident, you know, back in 2015, it's just like life keeps flowing through and my ability now in this new operating system to just say, yes, I want to be used as an instrument. I find we all have that in our capacity and just to trust and to allow rather than to prove and go after And it's like this hustle culture. I think there's a lot of beauty um, in the space Ah. and just the receiving that can often get missed. And that's at least where my access point for growth and success comes from.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And again, so many rabbit holes (laughs) we could easily go down there. One, I will just say, you know, I, I can relate to the spiritual experience. I've had some myself. There was one time... I went through the earthquake in Japan. It was the Hanshin Awaji wow. earthquake. It was, I think it was a 7.2 magnitude. So yeah, pretty serious earthquake. And, you know, got shaken up at 5.40 in the morning or something like that. And then we're walking through the kitchen downstairs and... There was glass all over the floor because the china had broken. And even though my mom had said, put your socks on, put your shoes on, put everything on, I just walked across it without anything. Wow. And and I think my sister did as well. And we were both completely unharmed. So we don't have any explanation for that beyond like adrenaline and uh, maybe some protectors, some unseen protectors.
1: Totally. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know if you, you know, find it to be true for you too, but for me, like one thing around that and how I even relate to death and like what happens after we die, like I had this visceral experience, and I just call it the frequency of love in its highest, most pure form. And for me, getting to like Mm. touch that experience, it's like one, it was like no doubt in my mind that there's something more than just living um, after experiencing that energy. But ultimately, this new relationship to like. Having our time be complete when it's complete and it being a choice. And in so many ways, like breathing and living in this body, like we're all choosing to be alive, whether you're consciously aware of it or not. And I've gotten so attuned to that as purpose not necessarily clarity of like, now I know exactly why I'm here and exactly what I'm doing, (laughs) but just the openness that I'm here for more as an instrument of service. And I find sometimes it's in those moments, at least it was for me with my experience that it was like, okay, wow, there is something bigger. There is, you know, um, more in terms of our time. And, you know, I, unfortunately I had three friends of mine pass away over the summer um, in a waterfall accident and came out of nowhere. They were some of the first to ever be on YouTube on Instagram, they had this company called High on Life and over like 10 million followers. And uh, they were literally hiking in British Columbia. And one of them slipped into this pool. Her boyfriend went after him. And the other one went after them. And all three got swept 100 feet over a waterfall. And to have them like all in their like, you know, late 20s, early 30s, to have them go out in that way, it just for me, it was like, how else do you explain something like that happening? Like three bright, so alive in tune with themselves um, in the world. And then just for them to die in the same way that they were inspiring, it feels like it really was like an ultimate fulfillment of some of their mission here. And so I've just really learned to have a lot of gratitude for the days that we have and ultimately like really look at it. It's like, how can you just enjoy the day-to-day moment-to-moment experience of just playing the game of being alive? Like one of the questions I ask myself is like, what is my direct like momentary experience of joy that I'm having? Like not this like eventual when I get this paycheck or when I get to do this trip or when I have this thing, like how can I in each moment actually do things that experience joy and It wasn't until I was on my way back from South Africa a few months ago where I decided to list out everything that I'm doing in my life on a one to 10, 10 being like max, like super joy and one being just like need to stop. This is like soul sucking me right away and realized that most of what I was doing and operating with actually was around a six or a seven. And when I really told the truth to myself, my moment to moment joy was mostly coming from CrossFit, from playing music and uh, from performing and speaking on stages. And I started to restructure Mm -hmm. Elements in my life to actually have more of that. And like, lo and behold, fulfillment increases, opportunity increases, success increases, um, overall happiness increases. But I find, even for those hearing this, you know, I find sometimes it's the thing that keeps you up in the middle of the night or the thing that you think about in the shower on the way to work. It's just like this desire for more that lives in us. And so I find, and, you know, I offer this as an experiment, you know, is to get related to where your time's going and, uh, and how it connects. And even that one to 10 exercise was so revealing for me and it gave me so much in terms of like how to day to day, just enjoy what the point of this whole thing is.
0: That's super helpful. And one of my philosophies is that where is happiness? Yeah,
1: it, It's in the totally. now.
0: There, there, is, there is no future. There is no past. You don't live in either of those. So if you're not happy and fulfilled now, in a sense, you're never fulfilled and happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when will you be happy? There is no yeah. when. It's only now. And tomorrow's just another now when you get there. So we've had the opportunity to chat a couple of times and you've expressed your fascination with music entrepreneurship. So what does music entrepreneurship mean to you?
1: Yeah. I love this question. So for so long, like I would call it like, you know, we're all familiar with like the starving artist or like the struggling artist conversation. And for some reason, like musicians and entrepreneurs, I feel like it really comes from the same place, which is just creativity. It's just creation. And for some reason, like there's been in this heritage conversation that, you know, with musicians and like it's more around struggling, and with entrepreneurs, there's more success and more money involved. And if you've actually been an entrepreneur for any time, <laughs> you know, like there's massive struggle <laughs> in both. It takes mm-hmm. bold courage to be an artist and an and entrepreneur. <laughs> and so yeah. I've really seen this segmentation in terms of how we how we hold these identities, um, and even how I've held these identities. You know, I remember I was like 18, and you know, I grew up. My dad worked at Wall Street in New York City oldest of five girls and when i went to college he was like like he like literally was like you're not going to pursue music he was like that's too risky there's no money in that and like you don't have the talent and only 1% and whatever whatever can make it and i really believed him at that age and for me i was like music has to be this hobby and then i got really really good at business but then simultaneously, every time I did music, that was actually what made me feel the most alive. And interestingly enough, when I brought my music into my business, I became more memorable and more people actually wanted to work with me. <laughs> and more people were like, hey, what are you doing? And so I realized that it was in the integration um, that the two existed. And for me, this music entrepreneur is this like modern day iteration of what it looks like, at least for me to be Fully owning of both gifts, it's like someone that gets to create in life through just that, through creativity. And I find in my own life, you know, I impact so many people, um, but it comes through my heart. And I find that's the gift we have as artists. As music cuts through the logical filters, it cuts through the walls, it cuts through the masks, and creates feeling. And if I've learned anything over these years, it's people remember feeling from an experience. You might hear a great talk, you might learn something great on this podcast, but more than anything of what I'm even saying, you'll remember how you felt. And that feeling, like that's what I get interested in creating. And I think that's what we get to create as musicians, is spaces that create and move people, that transform and transmit and heal just by what we're what we're being and how we're embodying. And so I focus a lot of my work now in my entrepreneurship from that premise of how do I create feeling. And so often, like, I'll lead an event and open it with a song, or I've gotten to be, you know, at places like the UN, or literally, like, I have one of the things I do is improv, so I can make up full songs on the fly. And I've, you know, channeled literally, like, in the General Assembly, like a 15 minute set, not knowing what I'm going to say or sing. And then, like, let's do it in the key of A minor, let's do it this way, and allowing my gifts to come through. Um, but coming from this place of creativity and feeling first. And then as a result, I've learned I've been able to build a whole business around it. And I think in today's world, it's not just can you be good at business and it's not just can you create art. It's like very much, at least I've found, to be so impact driven. And what are you using your vehicle as good for? And you know, we're actually creating this Music Impact Summit coming up here in a few months where we're bringing together some of the brightest artists, Grammy award winning artists from different parts of the world that are using their music as vehicles to really impact the conversation, using music as tools to open people's hearts so that you can then literally connect to people's minds and move initiatives and things that you care about or things that like it's time shift in the world for those things to actually start happening. And so I love being at the intersection of those two and the ways of how can we take us as artists, our superpowers, how can we use our tools to open people up so that we can really make change in the world. And, uh, you know, music's like definitely a big thing. Um, and one that it has been actually recently in the last, like a few months that I've called it project Grammy where it's literally like a game that I'm playing, um, of how like to actually use my music as a way of like, what does it take to get nominated for a Grammy? And what does it take to actually set the tone for that? And how do you play with that? in a non-linear timeline. And I find um, this last piece I'll say is that at least I've been taught things are traditionally supposed to take a lot of time and only the very few that are really, really, really good who get discovered off of some random like strike of fate make it. And that's so not true anymore, Um, that it's really Mm -hmm. so much about us creating what we actually want and sharing about it through our words. Um, and so I've been enjoying this project Grammy as it's been manifesting. (laughs) So stay tuned for the next like year or so (laughs) when, uh, when that all comes uh, to fruition, but beyond of it actually like happening, I find it's just in playing the game that, um, the magic happens in so many different ways. And, um, yeah, it's been one that I've I've enjoyed playing with in my own life for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to succeed in music, you kind of have to be unreasonable, right? <laughs> completely. <laughs> yeah, my my mentor calls me pragmatic, and this is because you know I have all these side gigs that I've that I'm always working on, in addition to to building my business and making sure there's a revenue stream. But you know, I'm also he also points me as an example of somebody who's able to sustain himself completely just working from home, and and that's an incredible opportunity in itself but the truth of the matter is i just find a lot of joy in creating you know in content marketing we talk about okay align it to the vision of the company align it to the business objectives and to your target customer all that is super important but oftentimes i just write for the joy of writing (laughs) has nothing to do with those objectives except to you know maybe raise some awareness of of what i'm doing and and the content i'm creating so in that way, I'm totally unreasonable because I want to enjoy the journey.
1: Yeah. And being unreasonable is fun. (laughs) Like I, at least for me, like I like when people are like, yeah, well, that's just not possible. Like that just doesn't happen. I'm like, really? Who says, (laughs) you know, like why, why not? Why is it not you? And this is for those hearing this. Like if you really are living with something deep in you and you're like, it just couldn't happen. It's just not me. Maybe for that person, but not for me. Like, it's like, why not you? Like, this is like our time now. This is your time now. And, uh, and you have everything Mm -hmm. you need, you know, like even in listening to this, like if this is the message that you get from this, you have everything that you need to do exactly what you want and, uh, play, (laughs) be unreasonable. So
0: totally agree you've mentioned to me before that the unconventional life is becoming the conventional life. I tend to agree with you, but what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So when I started unconventional life, it was like I said, I wanted more stories, more permission for people to see like all the different ways and career paths that, you know, are being like embodied. Like you literally can work online from your computer anywhere. There's so many different ways, like being a career as an influencer, being a career um, even through Patreon or through various other platforms And so, um, when I first got started, I remember when I graduated college my dad was just like, like literally like fought it out with me. He was like, there's no way being an entrepreneur is so risky and this just doesn't work. And, you know, even in the last, like, you know, however many years to see more validation, more representation that that's actually true. Um, I find we're living in an interesting time right now, especially a lot of us as millennials, or even if you're a little bit older, um, or even younger where, there is stuff that is happening, you know, in terms of these new paradigms shifting, yet our external reality hasn't fully caught up yet. Like, there's like conversations like this where it's like, yeah, of course you can make a living doing that. Of course you can do these things. And yet there's still all these inherited conversations of why it won't work and why it's risky and why you shouldn't do that and why you'd be crazy yeah. and all this stuff that, you know, friends, family, media, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, like, in 5 years from now 10 years from now it is my hope that like people are like unconventional life like what is unconventional life about like this is just the way it is like when i think about like my younger siblings or even you know my own children that i'll eventually have it's like thinking about it in that way of like when they grow up it's like this will just be the model and i find that we are pioneers we are actively pioneering in this moment, the new model for people to step into. And it hasn't been written. It hasn't been done before. It is literally the new convergence of old and new meeting. And um, it's like the wild, wild west in some ways. Like anything goes. Mm -hmm. It's totally scary. And there's not much proof yet every single day through conversations like this, it is becoming more normalized. And so I find if you are a pioneer, and I imagine a lot of you listening might be, which is why you're tuning into this kind of conversation, we're writing it. those to come we're paving the way and it's through our stories and through our actions and through our willingness to say yeah yes i'm going to be a yes to being on the front lines um that this new conversations get to be pushed forward and so uh yeah it's so exciting to kind of see that and you know i I even joke like well if we're out of business in five years then my mission was done (laughs) you know it's like if unconventional has like been shifted then, then we're good so uh it's yeah a pleasure to participate and what's happening and at the same time like a burden you know at, at times it can be like at least for me really mm-hmm. mentally like holy crap like this is this is real i can bring up a lot of stuff um, and i think it's being in the dance of both of those that uh, creates the the upward trajectory forward at least in my experience
0: yeah i tend to think that entrepreneurship is more secure long term but that's just not the way people are thinking yet yeah but you're right on i think it could it's going to continue to grow And the same thing could be said for me, you know, if, if music schools actually taught how to musicians to be successful, maybe I wouldn't need to be doing what I'm doing, (laughs) teaching marketing and all this other stuff, but I enjoy it. And it gives me a purpose for sure. Of
1: course, Totally. (laughs) And there's no like right way to do it. There's no perfect way. Like, you know, for so long, like I've, I've danced between having jobs to like conventional pieces. Like it doesn't all have to be, there's just everyone's version looks so different. And, uh, I think there's only right way is for you right now and to just know that it's all in service like it all looks different at different pieces and points for all of us and uh And, you know, I think the comparison epidemic can also be challenging sometimes too. And just to be like, oh, well, I'm just too old. Or like that person like already has whatever, like they have it together. Maybe even you're hearing this, you're like, oh, she definitely has it together. Like (laughs) there's just no way. And I'm like, I don't have it together. (laughs) But more than anything, (laughs) what I do have is the ability to not have it together and be in action anyways. And that I think yeah. is really more of the skill and the gold it, rather than being and having it together is how do you allow all of your humanity and your humility to be inside of you? And how do you show up anyways? How do you feel the comparison epidemic and still be like, okay, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> and I'm still going to take this like small action and I'm still gonna, you know, post this thing on Facebook or I'm still gonna, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Reminds me of a blog post I wrote, which was the root of all unhappiness is comparison. Yeah. So it brought me back to that. But I hear you. It's it's kind of human nature to do. Now... There are people listening to this, I'm sure, that are going to go, oh, I should start my own podcast. Or I know part of my audience is has podcasts of their own because that's part of their business model. So what is your wonderful number one tip for helping people build their podcast audience?
1: Yeah, I love this one. Um, you know, I think for me, uh, Unconventional Life was never supposed to be a company. I really just wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And then it became like an accidental six-figure revenue stream. Um, like one month wow. in our first month, actually, we like, I was like, oh, I could like do an event and invite people to it and talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> and then we sold it out in like seven weeks for 30 people to come to a business and uh, creative mastermind in Bali a few years ago, which is like where it all began. And uh, what I found is our audience is really loyal and they're really dedicated. And I think what... Really works, and at least on my podcast, in Unconventional Life, you can find it on iTunes if you haven't heard of it before, um, is really just like authenticity and storytelling and giving value. And one of the things that I do with all of our guests, you know, even including, you know, we had you on our podcast as well, is really looking like what at the end of each segment, like we do this thing called a giveaway where at the end of every episode, the listener gets to take something that they've learned from the guest and have an opportunity to win something to take it a step further. And it could be a book. It could be a course. It could be concert tickets. It could be, I mean, anything. We've even had people give away Google Glass. We've had people give away like Hollywood premiere stuff. Like it's been all across the board, mm-hmm. but it's a way to kind of give back to the listeners. And it's an amazing way to email build and to list build. And I find one of the big pieces is how do you take your listeners and then how do you ultimately put them on a trajectory that converts them into buyers? And so I said to myself, okay, great. Well, if someone's listening to a segment and they're getting a ton of value, what is something that would be a natural, instinctive next step that they could then do to want to keep participating in conversations with me? So I said, what if we do these amazing giveaways, announce them on the podcast, podcast and tell the guests, hey, tell us about the giveaway. And then how someone gets to win the giveaway is they come to our website. They enter their email address and we do a new one every week, so there's always more opportunities to win. Um, But more than that, we then get to start email list building and then what I've done from there is we just send out every week. We air our episodes on Monday. We send out an email that says, "Hey, here's the next episode." And we're rarely—we're just in the business of adding value, so that by the time we do decide we want to offer something, whether it's, "Hey, come to our event," or we're actually in the process of building, you know, a podcast course of like how we've made unconventional life a top ranked podcast for entrepreneurs in such a short period of time. Like, when we do have these initiatives, people are just – they know, like, and trust us so much that they, they're like, whoa, well, if you're putting something out there and you never put something out there, like, I got to check it out. And so um, I think mm-hmm. if I were to sum it up, you know, adding a lot of value, creating a really tangible flow to convert people from listeners into buyers or just into people that can more regularly interact in your community – makes a big difference. And the giveaway was a really big piece for me. And then through your authenticity and your sharing and your discernment of being a filter of what's appropriate and not appropriate in terms of like, what will actually be value versus what's noise, um, gets people to trust you more. And I found that that's worked really, really well for us. And, uh, having a diversity of guests has also been really big too. And having a really large global international audience, which at least was important to me when I wanted to cultivate unconventional life.
0: Those are really great tips. And it's helped me solidify some things in my mind around my podcast for sure. I can now see the connection between that email list and growing that podcast audience in a way that I hadn't quite seen before, even (laughs) though I was was doing it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I was
0: just like, Oh, okay. I get it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Value added. (laughs) A
0: little bit of an aha moment. So that's great. Uh, This is another thing I'm sure you could answer too. There's just a couple of questions left for you. People every day come to me wanting to contribute to the Music Entrepreneur HQ. You know, it's clear that, they see a lot of value in finding a platform for their message and you found a platform for yourself on Forbes. So how would you suggest people go about finding a blog or publication that helps them grow their audience?
1: Yeah, great question. I think I almost would think about the question in more of a reverse order um, where instead of like going and finding, I find like in who you are being and just in your sharing, see what naturally sticks and comes back to you. And so I can see it in a more concrete way where I have this practice and this tool that I call rapid visioning. And in so many ways, I think about it like nonlinear reality creation. It's like, how do you throw darts or how do you take actions? And then how do you get feedback and then indicate that for your next action, your next action and your next action? it's like creating more on like a one, two, three, four basis rather than let me set this whole goal. Like I want to have this amazing podcast and then be like, holy crap, I don't know how to start a podcast. I don't know how to build a list. I don't know how to add value. I don't know how to find a platform. I don't know how to whatever. And then literally like you have a whole mountain of reasons of why you can't. And then you're just like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And like a year goes by <laughs> and nothing happens. <laughs> you know, we can all relate to that. <laughs> but rather to be like, okay, well, what is one thing I do know how to do? Like if that's like my step 10, like how do I come back to my step one? And then how do I take a bite-sized action there? And then how do I iterate from there to there, to there, etc. And so case in point um, in this I find, you know, for those hearing this, if you want to find a way to amplify your message in your platform, I would just start throwing some darts. And that could look like doing a Facebook Live. It could look like doing an Instagram video. It could look like, you know, doing a, a little post on LinkedIn and just see what, like, that's the action. What is it like to do the action? What feedback do you get? Maybe you'll get a lot of engagement on something and you'll be like, wow, that was so fun. Maybe you interview someone on your Facebook wall and you do a Facebook Live and people are like, oh my gosh, this was the best thing I've ever seen. I'd love to do that with you again. Or like, when are you doing the next one? Or maybe people are like, wow, like no one tunes in and you're like, yeah, that was a waste of time. And that felt kind of awkward. And I don't really like that. And so I find it's in dart throwing and experimenting that you'll get feedback, one on a personal level to know if you enjoyed it and if you liked it. And I find that feedback is often overlooked. We're often taught to push through things I find when you follow your highest excitement and what actually feels in aligned and energizing, it's an indicator of where flow is and it's an indicator of where success will be rather than pushing through stuff. So that's the first piece. Notice how it feels for you. And then the second piece is just notice what kind of engagement that you're getting from it. Um, And you know, it might be doing a Facebook Live series where you're like, wow, this got a lot of engagement. I want to keep going. It might look like reaching out to someone like you or someone else that you know and saying, hey, like, I'd love to be on your podcast or I'd love to do an article. Would you want to feature me? Or it might look at a few blogs that you look up to or publications and just say, you know, see what they're writing about and see what they're doing. And like, could you see yourself being a fit there? And if you could, maybe you reach out to an editor and then you, you know, reach out. And I always recommend doing a cold video pitch, not like a cold email pitch. As someone that's received, like, 300 pitches a month, like, don't send emails. But if you can, like, even make a little video of, like, I'm sure this is, like, email 301 that you're getting. And here's why, like, I think my story is really cool. Um, but I find even that would be, like, a way to throw a dart. So I think in, in short of all of this, I would just throw darts and experiment and get feedback of how does it feel for you in that And then what kind of external feedback are you getting? And then that, let that guide those next steps, which will ultimately lead you to what platform you should use or what message you should find. And and like I said, for me, I wasn't looking for Forbes. I didn't even want to be a blog writer. Um, I didn't even intend to be a podcaster, but I, it was in my sharing, you know, and I remember saying to my then boyfriend, I want to start writing for Forbes. And he's like, that's random. (laughs) And instead of me going and cold pitching a bunch of Forbes editors, like a week later, I got an email that was like, uh, do you want to like write a guest post for us? So that could also be another tool um, as well would be, you know, maybe even just reaching out to people and seeing where you could be a guest post on, but I would focus more on the moment to moment step one, and then let that get you to your step 10. Um, like smaller bites are more digestible. I found
0: you know, to your point, I have a friend who's been practicing singing every day, putting out videos, doing things on Instagram. And for a long time, it was just silence and there wasn't much happening. But this year, it's just come to the point where, I mean, he's got this great tenor voice. And along with that, he's sharing his own authentic self about, you know, living authentically and true to who you are. And now he's getting hundreds of people adding him on Facebook every single day. (laughs) And I'm just walking alongside him going, you know what? Here's what we're going to (laughs) do, right? Here's the next steps. And uh, it's such an exciting thing to see, but it's true. You just, you don't know. So throwing darts is right. So good. And are there any books that have helped you on your journey that you would recommend?
1: Yes. I love reading um, different books. I think if you, um, The War of Art is just a classic for those that haven't read it. I really love that book. The Alchemist, another great book. um, Oh my God. Yeah. Which is, you know, all about literally flow, recognizing signs and things like that. Um, Another book that um, I really have enjoyed um, has been um, the book Ask by Ryan Levesque. And this is more of a business Uh, oriented book. And it really kind of talks about, I think, how to create in this new way, which is using. Questions and instead of trying to infer what people want or assume what people want, just talking to people. It's like basic common sense, you know, like just asking people and getting their world. And then, you know, he details processes around surveying and how to do that. And that book for me, when I read it, I was like, wow that's so logical. Why do people make marketing so hard? <laughs> I was like, this is human nature. <laughs> and so, um, for those of you that are a business, um, and even actually for the musicians listening to this too, like, you know, to even know about your fans more and know about the people that are, um, tuning into you and supporting you, like just knowing how to ask the right questions and get that feedback is valuable. So those would be my three.
0: Awesome. And I think Ryan Levesque he's been on my coach's podcast a number of times and may have even been a student as well. So good. Of of, Of course. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for your time and generosity. Is there anything else I should have asked?
1: Um, I've loved being here. I think the last thing that I want to pass on is that it takes community. It's taken community for me to really find the next level of permission. I find that there's been a lot of people in my life that have really wanted to support me. And sometimes the people even closest to you, they don't get your vision. And how could they? Yeah. It's your vision. And so for a long time, I used to think, well, people don't get me and I am actually crazy. And then I realized I wasn't actually finding support in the right places and that there can be people in your life that support you, even if it's your significant other, even if it's your coworker, even if it's some of your really close friends, that as you're evolving and growing, having people that really get the you and who you're becoming um, is really important. And so if you're lone wolfing it, no, you're not alone. Um, if community is important to you or anything I've resonated is important to you, like find us on iTunes, you know, come search out the Unconventional Life Podcast. And if being in community matters, like I said, we do these events where we bring together these creatives and entrepreneurs and thought leaders, people that would never ordinarily intersect in the world. The lone wolves that are listening to podcasts in their living room or on their way to work that are just like hearing this, like, where are my people at? And we do. We bring them together for five days in different places like Nicaragua or Bali or South Africa um, to actually up-level and create um, business and life together. And so, yeah, Unconventional Life, you can check out those. We've got an event coming up in Bali at the end of this year. We do them every year, Unconventionallifeshow.com/bali for that or unconventionallifeshow.com for details. And uh, if just on a personal level, like something that I said resonated to you, send me an email, like let me know your story. I think this Mm. is part of our, our game in the world is to support each other. And it's through collaboration and seeing each other and actually allowing people to see you that can sometimes give you the fuel that you need to keep going the light when it seems dark in your world and so no um we are light workers lighting up the grid together (laughs) and uh (laughs) we're all all here for each other so
0: that's awesome and very inspiring i'm sure my listeners will get lots of value out of this so thanks again thanks for listening make sure to go to musicentrepreneurhq.com for show notes and other goodies and leave us a review in itunes to help us spread the word